Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello and welcome to the 247th edition of the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. In Nashville, Tennessee, I'm the professor, Matt Perkins. And a swing path across the Harpeth River from me here in the Music City, it's our own offensive coordinator, the coach, Corey Burton. Well, it seems like a nice, simple pass to to get this show reacquainted, so I'm excited to be here, guys. Uh, Lots to talk about, Uh, lots going on in the Southeastern Conference here in the last few days, so uh gentlemen shall we uh we shall but we can't get started without the third amigo in the second city a man who dresses his dog in sweaters it's our intrepid blogger from big ten and counting josh cook to be fair Kristen put cuesta in that sweater although that sweater was damn cute and it's argyle so i stand by it uh josh you've known me for uh closing in on 20 years now and you know i love a good argyle sweater also she's a hound dog in chicago when she's short-haired so yeah. And, yeah. So like Elvis uh, said, uh, you our, ain't our, nothing but a hound dog. <laughs> our dogs got to uh, uh, your hound and, and and my dogs got to uh, got to hang out over the holiday break, which is also very nice. Um, but uh, we'll talk about dogs in here in a minute um, with the Georgia dogs. But before we get to that, we want to remind you guys that we here at Illegal Motion are brought to you by BetOnline.ag. College football season is going to be wrapping up here. We're going to talk about that game here in just a little bit. But the NBA and college basketball are back. And NFL playoffs are coming up this weekend. So with all these sports going on, there are plenty of bets to lock in. So if you're thinking about picking the Lakers to repeat their NBA championship or someone to upset Pat Mahomes and the Chiefs, you need to head on over to betonline.ag. But what I'm most interested guys interested in, I should say, as you know, Devonta Smith became the first wide receiver in nearly 30 years to win the Heisman this week. But next, year Heisman, next year's Heisman odds are already out over on Bet Online. So, Coach, who would you put your money on today to win the Heisman next season? Uh, can I bet on myself? To win the Heisman? I didn't know that you still had eligibility. I do. I still have four years, so I'm, I'm, I'm good, right? Um, sure, why not? No, um, in, in all seriousness, uh, to be honest, I have no idea. Um, that that would be, I mean, holy cow, that'd be. A- okay, I will. Okay, uh, Josh, do you have any ideas before I just read you guys the uh, the, the best odds? Well, I want to hear the odds first because okay. that'll impact where I want to go with this bet. I will start with everyone who has odds of better than. Kellerman uh, just declared, so he's going to be off this odds list. Okay, well, I'm going to... I wouldn't uh, have taken Kelamond anyway. Yeah, me neither. Um, I'm going to give you everyone who has odds of plus 5,000 or better. So from worst to best. So starting at plus 5,000, we have uh, eight players who are set at plus plus 5,000. Mohamed Ibrahim from Minnesota. Michael Penix Jr. of Indiana. Kyron Williams, Notre Dame. John Mechie III from Alabama. Isaiah Spiller at Texas A&M. Grayson McCall from Coastal Carolina. Dorian Thompson-Robinson from UCLA. And Dylan Gabriel at UCF. I don't like any of those people. Uh, Penix is an interesting one, but with his ACL coming late with the season starting later, he might not even be around opening day. 
For any of those super long shots, Grayson McCall would be my pick. The problem is group of five players are locks for the tournament and locks for the Heisman, and it makes for pretty uninteresting tournament play and Heisman selection when uh, those non-Power 5 players get left All out. right. Our I would next... say the long shots, I like Kyron Williams. All right. Um, well, you know who's going to be handing, handing the ball off to him? That would be... Jack Cohn. Jack Cohn, you heard it here first. Um, next, uh, in, in the next group, at plus 4,000, we've got Tyler Shaw, the quarterback of Oregon. Then yep. at plus th- uh, 3,300, we have a group of six players. Graham Mertz, the quarterback for Wisconsin. <clears throat> Emery Jones at Florida. Nope. CJ Stroud at Ohio State. Nope. Brock Purdy at Iowa State. Nope. Brian Robinson Jr. at Alabama. And Brees Hall from Iowa, Iowa State. There he is. There's my pick, Brees Hall. I would get some money in on that. I think Iowa State will be a contender for the Big 12 title again. That'll pay. Off, that'll was, pay off at 33 to one, sir. He was the nation's uh, leading rusher this year, mm-hmm. and I expect Iowa State to use him quite a bit next year. And he finished, I believe, sixth this time around once all the votes are tabulated. So go that's Brees correct. Hall. All right. I was waiting to hear those odds. All right. Next, uh, in the next, the between plus 1,000 and plus uh, 3,000 range, we've got Matt Corral of Ole Miss, Jaden Daniels of, or I should say Matt Coral of Ole Miss, Jaden Daniels of Arizona State, and Bijan Robinson of Texas, all at plus 2,500. Uh, we've got Keaton Slovis of USC at plus 1,800, and De'Eric King of Miami. At plus fourteen hundred, I don't like that Dr. King bet because he tore he tore his ACL in the game in their bowl game. Yeah, even later than Penix, uh, I'm confused about why Texas is on there, other than just to get Texas uh, fans to flush their money down the toilet. Yep. All right, then we get to the favorites, gents. We have five players who have better uh, than ten to one odds. At eight to one plus eight hundred, we have. Three quarterbacks from the Southeast, not the Southeastern Conference, just the Southeastern part of the country. Sam Howell at North Carolina, DJ Uyunglele at Clemson, and coach your quarterback, JT Daniels. Yes, it's very, very intriguing. And I, I want to I pick JT Daniels. I think he's going to be a good pick. But honestly, I, I think if any Southeastern quarterback is going to make it, it's going to be an ACC dude. Um, either Sam Howell or DJ Ungiolele. My worry for Sam Howell is when he puts up big numbers for the third year in a row, at what point does he get tagged with the it's a system quarterback? Later. Everybody's mm-hmm. a system quarterback. Well, then we'll get to the two favorites. Uh, at plus 5,500, we've got Bryce Young from Alabama, who's going to be stepping in for Mac Jones. Um, the five-star, uh, former five-star recruit. Uh, he'll be, I think, a redshirt freshman next year. And then the favorite, Spencer Rattler from Oklahoma, plus 300. Um, guys, I wish I could short this one um, be- <laughs> just because I cannot stand Spencer Rattler. But I don't know if you can do shorts on the Heisman. So, anyway, uh, no matter who you're putting your money on, well, actually, so we know who Josh is going for for Brees Hall. Yeah, Coach, are you, you are you know, are you, Bre- are you sticking just, with? Okay, go ahead, Josh. Let me just say, Brees Hall is my not even end of this season pick, and you'd be getting a huge payday if it happened. If you're going to be serious with this bet, and you're looking at those top people, 
Uh, I already mentioned my concern with Sam Howell. I think big old DJ is going to put up some numbers, but that Clemson team is replacing a ton. And that offensive line was not a world beater this year. Uh, Spencer Rattler, I think he has some issues. So without even knowing anything about it or him, give me the guy stepping in for Mac Jones. <laughs> I there's, don't still gonna be, there's still going to be tons of talent around him. Coach, are you going with JT Daniels? Yeah, I'm going to go with JT Daniels. Why? Because I want to. All right. I like that. I like that. Um, if I'm taking a longer shot, um, I actually might be going with with Jaden Daniels from Arizona State. I think he's super talented. I think that the Pac-12 is going to be more up in the air than we think next year. And I, I th- I'm just worried that Sun Devil team's not going to play to win the games. <laughs> <laughs> if if they don't play to win the game, that just means they're not listening to their head coach. No. But no matter who your team is, from game threats, totals, team player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else online. Plus, there's always the online casino as well. It never closes. So head on over to betonline.ag today to take advantage of all those great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Gents, we're going to talk New Year's Six plus... I guess the Citrus Bowl isn't technically New Year's Six, but it was still a, uh, as we predicted, an ugly but interesting game before we get to previewing the title game. Um, I think we should save the recaps of the Cotton Bowl and the Rose Bowl to lead into the title game. So we'll start with the Peach Bowl, Coach. And in the Peach Bowl, your Georgia Dogs beat Cincinnati, but it took uh, a pretty big effort on behalf of your kicker to do so. It did. It, it it took a career long uh, for him to uh, to win this game, and it took a uh, it took a monumental effort in the second half, which the defense really stepped up to the plate in the second half. I think there was only two first downs allowed, uh, maybe a third right there at the end of the game uh, for for this Georgia defense uh, that was struggling early on in the first half. I think it was just struggling to get its bearings against a really good uh, explosive offense that that's clicking on all cylinders. So. You know, I think it was just a matter of they weren't quite ready for the level of play that Cincinnati was going to bring to the table. I I think no matter how many times they were probably told throughout bowl practice season and how they had a lot of turmoil, but I still think they they thought they hey we're Georgia we can waltz out there uh, we're an SEC team we can waltz out there and and just. Uh, you know, go through the motions and beat this team, and that definitely was not true. Well, I think going through the motions is the way to put it because it's what they looked like they were doing, especially uh, offensively. It didn't look like – I mean, no one was running hard. I mean, the, as a team, Georgia rushed for 45 yards. O-line yeah, the, the O-line was terrible. I, I'm not really sure what happened there because if there's anywhere that Georgia – should have had an advantage there. It's with that offensive line. Yeah, it, it, it is. And Plus, when I, you throw in Darnell Washington to block the tight end, I mean, he's gigantic himself. Yeah, I mean, the run game should have been there, and it wasn't. I, I think they gave us they, – they were pretty talented up front. They, they don't have a lot of depth, but their first unit was was actually pretty uh, pretty solid. And, and they just had a good game plan against, you know, sold out to uh, 
to stop the run. They 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 run blitzed and put more guys in the box uh, on the interior to stop inside zone uh, than we could block. And and it was uh, it was just a matter of overloading gaps and taking chances and things like that and and, and hitting on those chances. Josh, if you're Cincinnati, uh, do you feel like this is just an opportunity that got away? How do you feel about you know how the season played out? Well, I think if you're Luke Fickle and that staff, you're thinking, man, we out-coached ourselves. Um, they did a lot of strange things this game. Uh, first and foremost, they had 27 carries as a team rushing the ball, but 15 of them are credited to Desmond Ritter, and most of those are sacks. That means uh, they just had 12 carries by skill position players with Jerome Ford having just eight on the day. Um, No balance, no real attempt to set up a running game. Uh, Offense totally stifled in the second half, and in the fourth quarter, and I think a lot of that was their offensive play calling was non-existent. It was snap the ball to Ritter and let him run around like a chick with his head cut off. And I was watching this game wondering, what the hell is this staff doing? Um, I don't know what happened. I, You know, Coach can probably attest to this, but, you know, we saw it with the Falcons in the Super Bowl where – It's like, run the damn ball. And they didn't. And I think sometimes coaches get tunnel vision. Um, I think sometimes offensive coordinators try and be too tricky. They try and rely on one or two concepts. And that bit Cincinnati. Mm -hmm. And it was just a matter of time. We saw 14 points scored by Georgia in the fourth quarter to come back and win the game. And it just kind of felt like a matter of time in the second half because Cincinnati was not taking enough advantage of the opportunities to present presented to them. Uh, they also had some really costly turnovers. Um, they, they only had the one, but the fumble was a disaster. Um, some other problems for Cincinnati, three of 14 on third down. I know Georgia was also really bad, but Cincinnati was leading the game. You convert those third downs, you continue those drives, you eat more clock off. Uh, We also saw Cincinnati struggle in the penalty game. They had five more penalties than Georgia. And, you know, Cincinnati played a crap game. And as you said, it took a heroic effort for an SEC team to beat them. So I think it is a testament to just how good Cincinnati is. But can you imagine if Cincinnati played a competent game? (laughs) They would have won this thing going away. I don't know what they were doing in the second half. Coach, you want to explain to us why? I can't think of any other term other than tunnel vision. What's that coaching tunnel vision? Yeah, I guess, I mean, they, they lost all confidence in the run game. I think it had something to do with, uh, them not getting many yards in the second half in, in the run game and just sputtering. Well, outside completely. of that, outside of what was like their second play from scrimmage in the second half where yeah. uh, Jerome Ford broke off a 79-yarder. Yeah, I, after that, they, they did absolutely nothing offensively um, after that play. And it was it was brutal uh, to watch. And, and, and as a coach, I guess you 
you you get uh, I guess you get nervous also like we can't run the ball um, so let's put it in the hands of Desmond Ritter and let him you know let him try to get one deep and 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 actually I mean the the, the play call was good um, I mean he had a guy you know that Georgia jumped the the short route which naturally was going to happen he had a guy long and, and Tyreek Stevenson made a hell of a play uh, to break it up but I mean, I think if he throws it a hair earlier, it's probably a Cincinnati touchdown. So, I mean, they took a big risk. And, you know, I, I you know, you're Cincinnati, so take a big risk. But uh, I don't fault him for that, although I don't – I probably would have ran the ball personally myself uh, and just used the clock in my favor. I mean, you could have ran 40 more seconds off just by running the ball, even if you get stuffed. So, personally, that's what I would do um, – I can't really hammer the call too too much because, it, you know, it, it's hindsight's twenty always twenty twenty. But um, if you're asking me, Josh, I would have ran the ball. Um, I would have had faith that even if I didn't, even if I couldn't get two yards, I could run forty seconds off the clock, and I'm in I'm in good enough field position to where um, I might even be able to go for it on fourth down, run even more clock out. And, and put Georgia in a really, really bad situation. So uh, the tunnel yeah, vision. I'm not even talking about the end of the game. I'm just talking about that entire second half. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, they just – Georgia had an answer, and then Cincinnati couldn't counter. They couldn't counterpunch. And and it, that play sheet, all everything on that play sheet probably got blurry to the, to the offensive coordinator. Once Georgia started kind of waking up and started – after that 79-yard run, I think that's kind of the, the thing that woke him up and like, okay, we got to get our heads out of our asses. And, uh, you know, one, once Georgia started kind of getting the hang of it and playing really good and, and, and really containing and taking away Desmond Ritter's ability to scramble around and, and just throw a dart somewhere, they struggled. They had no answers. And they panicked a little bit. And they just couldn't get anything going. And so they felt like they – and that led to the sequence at the end of the game where they felt like they had to – hit a big play in order to win. All right. Well, if you guys remember last time we were recording, when we were doing our previews, uh, there was a football game going on, and I was yelling at the television during the podcast, which was fun for everybody. Mm -hmm. uh, when we left, Wisconsin was losing 21-14 to early in the third quarter against Wake Forest Demon Deacons. After we stopped recording, Wisconsin uh, intercepted Wake Forest on four consecutive drives, which turned into four consecutive touchdowns for Wisconsin on – fields of drives of they only needed 33 yards 32 yards two yards and three yards to score personally i think scott nelson actually got in one of those interception returns but it's neither here nor there nonetheless uh my wisconsin badgers ended up beating wake forest even though wake forest basically doubled up doubled them up on total yards 518 to 266 but when you throw four interceptions and give wisconsin four short fields uh five short fields for the game actually um uh because of uh an, another fumble as or sorry i should say because of a block punt um as well uh, that's gonna happen so wisconsin scoring drives in that game in that game they had one for 75 yards and the other drives like i said nine 33 32 two and three uh that is going to be good and it's a it's a very wisconsin game you know because uh the people who scored for wisconsin we had two quarterback sneaks two fullback touchdowns and two running back touchdowns 
So um, just wanted to throw that in there. That night, though, uh, we had Florida versus... Well, Matt, I, I got a question about the Wisconsin-Wake Forest game. What's that? Was there any conflict in uh, Jason Chappell's house on who is he rooting for versus his dad? Uh, Jason Chappell and his father, who was a two-time All-American at, at Wake Forest. Yeah, I think there was a lot of father between Jay okay. Cheesy and uh, uh, Jay Cheesy Sr. But, you know... Sometimes it's just got to be. Uh, I, I think in, in this case, you know, the uh, the younger generation is gonna is, is gonna win out. So, um, <laughs> good question though. Uh, best part of the game was uh, quarterback Graham Mertz, who actually played himself a pretty nice game. Uh, two rushing touchdowns, had a passing touchdown as well. Uh, no turnovers, and then in the post game celebration, broke the trophy. I, I think it and actually then, fell off. <laughs> In his hand, I think it was a poorly constructed drill. Yeah, well, it felt nonetheless, it fell off in his hands, and then he duct taped a mayo bottle to the top of it. So my biggest, my biggest disappointment in this game, my biggest disappointment in this game is you know, in the famous Idaho Potato Bowl, they dump French fries on the coach. Mm. In the uh, in the Cheez It Bowl, they dump Cheez Its on the coach and I was I was ready for Paul Chris to have a whole bunch of mayo dumped on him and it Paul, just never Paul, happened. Paul Chris which is a top five coach I would like to see covered in mayo. <laughs> um number one, I think it's Brett Bielema. Obviously. I think Brett Bielema <laughs> would, would would just take the time to lick it all off of himself. Well some oh of the God. hires that he might we might see that next year. <laughs> we might. Um uh, other other coaches I would like to see covered in mayo. Um uh, I guess they're not coaching anymore. Mark Mangino um, would be someone who would be great covered in mayo. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, I think uh, Charlie Weiss would be uh, <laughs> covered in mayo. Would, would do pretty well covered in mayo. Um, I think our uh, our favorite shark enthusiast uh, covered in mayo would be funny. Um, <laughs> and uh, the shark humper himself. Exactly. Um, and yeah, and, and along with with Bielema and Christ. Around the top five, I think those are my top five Mayo coaches. Speaking about Mark Mangino, what about Ralph Friedgen? Friedgen's a good one too. For, for Friedgen definitely makes the honorable mentions. And Fulmer. Speaking of, speaking about Mark Mangino, do you guys think he's seen an orange since two thousand seven when he was at the Orange Bowl? I, I, I think that was the first time in his life he encountered one. <laughs> I thought you were going to ask. I thought you were going to ask. Has he seen his? Um, Has he uh, seen his two oranges? I was gonna, yeah, that's what I thought you were going to ask. I thought you were going to ask if he's seen his uh, Twig and Berries since 2007. <laughs> Which, uh, it probably dates way back before 2007. Yeah, I, I, I think so. Um, quickly, uh, we'll talk about the Cotton Bowl. Not much of a game. Oklahoma came out, ran out 17-3 to lead. Oh. Or, yeah, 17-0 lead, I should say. And ended up winning this one 55 to 20 in a laugh, or no one was surprised there. It was Kyle Trask and a bunch of dudes you've never heard of playing for Florida. Well, the, the, the problem, though, I mean, we've talked about this all year with Florida, is we never thought they had a very good defense. And even with all the departures that the team had, I'm sorry. It's fundamentally awful to give up almost 700 yards of offense, 435 rushing yards on 40 carries, 11 yards per carry. Yeah. At what point is it not the players and a scheme issue? Because I'm not seeing it from Florida. No, 
I don't think anybody is, and I think that's why we're we're starting to hear overtures of Dan Mullen to the NFL. Now, why an NFL team would want to hire him? Different question. I hope it's the Jets because that's that they deserve it. <laughs> oh, that 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 that's a marriage made in somewhere. Somewhere. Okay. Somewhere. Let's then move if it's on. The Fal- if it's the Falcons, I'm done. Oh, gosh. I, I'm sorry if that happens to you, Coach. Uh, let's talk quickly about the Citrus Bowl. Northwestern Auburn, we expected a de- defensive struggle. Um, the game definitely hit the over um, then when it comes to uh, the gambling because, I mean, they scored 54 combined points. Northwestern wins 35-19. to 19. And overall, I mean, the Big Ten has had a pretty good bowl season. Uh, Northwestern really pulled away in in the second half with uh, three consecutive touchdowns uh, and three consecutive possessions. And Northwestern putting up 457 yards against an uh, what's been a, a pretty solid Auburn defense, Josh, is one of the bigger surprises to me uh, in bowl season. Yeah, I, I think it really just came down to the mindsets of the team. You know, Northwestern played their tails off against Ohio State. They wanted to be there. They wanted to end uh, the season even higher in the polls, get another top 15 finish. Um, Bowl games are still important to Northwestern since if you just look at their football history, uh, prior to Pat Fitzgerald, Bulls were few and far between. Um, He's a master motivator. And then on Auburn's side, you had a interim coach, a lot of players who didn't want to be there probably. Um, and I think it showed, and it was really telling in the first quarter, Northwestern comes out flying up 14 nothing, And the game pretty much played the same there. Um, I don't know if he's coming back or not with the whole like extra year of COVID or whatnot, but uh, Peyton Ramsey, if this was his final game as a collegiate quarterback, he had himself a gem, 24-35, 291, three touchdowns and zero interceptions. And he chipped in 50 yards and a touchdown on 10 carries as a rusher. Mm-hmm. Um, I know he didn't spend much time at Northwestern as a grad transfer, but uh, a very, very, very impactful season for the Wildcats by that really, really fun and good collegiate quarterback. Yeah, Coach, on the flip side, Auburn, kind of an appropriate end for what's been a messy season on the Plains. They're going off offseason. I haven't liked any of these hires. Uh, I mean... You know, we talked about Brian Harson on the last on the, on the last uh, on the last show, and now they've hired their coordinators, uh, Mike Bobo and Derek Mason. Um, it's random. It's it's something, man. It's I mean, it it really literally feels like they're sh- they're throwing as much bleep up against the wall as they can, hoping something sticks. Well, you know what? I do like the Derek Mason hire as defense coordinator. You're not asking him to run a full program. Um, you're asking him to run a defense, which he can do very well. Um, do we know? Do we know that he can run a defense well, though? Do we actually got him the know? Vandy job? I don't know. I mean, he, he got maybe, him the Vandy job when he was at Stanford, and we all know that the mastermind behind, the mastermind behind that team was David Shaw. So I, I don't know. I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll see. Um, at Vanderbilt, he tried to run a defense and a program at the same time. That typically never works. But, um, you know, I have confidence that Derek Mason can run a defense um, and run one that has the talent level that Auburn has. So I'm going to say that the defensive coordinator was a great hire. 
The offensive coordinator, I think for the personnel they have, is a good hire. I think it'll be a good fit. Again, I, I think they kind of stumble into a good hire because, I mean, one thing we know about Mike Bobo is he's going to have a great rushing attack. He he made a pr- he made a great rushing attack out of a out of a, a meager uh, personnel at South Carolina. That was one of the the running game was one of the lone bright spots for the Gamecocks um, offensively. He can take some he can take some not so talented running backs and make them good. Uh, the thought of having Tank Bigsby for uh, for his running back is is kind of scary. Um, what they're going to have around him, no clue whatsoever. Uh, they're gonna that's that's going to be the interesting part, and that's where he's going to earn his money. But uh, overall, not a not a great hire, not a bad hire, uh, just okay. I, I do like the Derek Mason hire, um, and I do like the recruiting ties that they have to the southeast. I mean, Mike Bobo is in his wheelhouse down there at Auburn, uh, as far as proximity to his hometown and. South Georgia and that area of the of the country, he's he's really good at. So, um, I'm gonna say I'm gonna disagree with you, Josh. I'm gonna say they are they're not grand slam hires, uh, but I think they'll get the job done. All right, uh, I, I, yeah, I'm Josh. Not, I'm not seeing it. Um, you know, I, I know you love, you know, you love uh, Mike Bobo from his ties to, to South Carolina, but, uh, you know, their, their rushing game, 168 yards per game, pretty medium output. I mean, that's, that's below Iowa who had their ups and downs rushing. That's under Toledo, not a great team. Uh, I mean, it's, it's down there with like Wake Forest and, Texas Tech and teams we don't love on on his bio um it's already up on Auburn and and they're talking about Bobo and all of you know the marks he left on the offensive record book at Colorado State and it talks about how 2019 the Rams had the 14th best passing offense in the country averaging 305 yards per game through the air talked about their wide receiver well it doesn't talk about their entire offensive output because uh, they finished four and eight that year, he lost his job, and uh, they sucked. They didn't put up any points. So uh, awesome! They had one wide receiver that they hit routinely throughout the game. Um, they talk about a whole bunch of his records from about five years ago, and then they talk about his Georgia stuff from oh, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years ago. Um, that's what I know he's still you lo- hanging his hat on. Yeah, I know you love him, Coach, but it's been it's been a long time since Mike Bobo's been an impact hire, and I, I just I don't see what he brings to Auburn. Well, this is his last chance, and he's going to get to work with one of the best running backs in the country in Tank Bigsby. So, uh, I don't know. I'm I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued. All right. Well. Then let's stay within the SEC and talk about another bowl game. Uh, this time, though, with the SEC team coming in as the victor, uh, Texas A&M uh, beat North Carolina 41-27. to North Carolina just freaking imploded here in the fourth quarter, Coach. They did. They really did. Um, and this it, – it was, it, was, it was not great to see. Um, and, you know, A&M did – 
you know, A&M helped them with that. You know, they they had a they had a great game plan for them, and you know, they just made sure that that they uh, <laughs> they just kept pressing and pressing and pressing, and uh, you know, North Carolina just kind of felt the uh, felt the effects of all the opt outs. It, eventually, you knew it would come back and bite them. They weren't quite as talented, and and uh, Texas A&M didn't have as many opt outs, and so that, that I mean, honestly, that was kind of the difference in the game to me. I will I will applaud something though about this. So just to kind of recap it, North Carolina's up 27-20. Um things are looking okay for the Tar Heels as much as it can with a one possession lead. Um 7 plays later the Aggies tie it up. 27-27 ensuing drive, punt by the Tar Heels and then a punt by A&M, then a punt by the Tar Heels and then um that's when Texas A&M takes the lead on that next possession, a, a quick three-play drive, drop mm-hmm. 34-27. Now, North Carolina's facing a fourth and one with two minutes and 24 seconds left, and it's at their own 34, and I, I think a lot of coaches punt it away, and they play conservative here, and they say, we're going to trust our defense. And, you know, Mac Brown goes, you know what? This is a, essentially a meaningless bowl game. I wish Kirby our best would have done it. our best players are on offense, and our best single best player for our entire program is my quarterback. Screw it, <laughs> let's let's go for it. So sets up A uh, and M with a really short field since they don't convert it, um, and then you know they get in, make it forty one uh, twenty seven, and and you know the game's over at that point, but. Um, you know, he could have punted it away, packed it in, AM converts a couple first downs, and then it becomes a kneel down game. And we say, Oh, wow, what what a competitive game! It was a one touchdown game. North Carolina was right in it. Uh, I, I applaud Mac Brown. I mean, this was a this was a pointless bowl game. Let's be serious. Go yeah, for it. Yeah, I, I applaud coaches for being aggressive. Uh, I, I like it. I mean, I, I think it was the right call. I think you've got to, you know, if you got a guy you trust with. Uh, Sam Howell and, and uh, Daz Newsom. It, w- it was weird that they ran the ball though on that fourth down. Play. Yeah, especially without their top two running backs. Yeah, that, I mean, you know, that might have been what we call getting too cute. Yeah, with Javante Williams and Michael Carter, that is the right call. But you didn't have those guys. Why not play action? It. Why not leak somebody out in the flats? Why not put the ball in the hands of Daz Newsom and say, "Hey, go get me a yard or two." Uh, and and let's let's rock and roll. Why not? If you're gonna run it, why not jet sweep it to Daz Newsom? Why not? You know, get a little creative with with your call. You know, don't just don't just ram it into the to yeah. Because we don't want to creative and cute are not the same thing. No, creative and cute are cute is like hey, they think we're gonna throw, we're gonna run the ball, and really, how, it, yeah, no. How about work. this for how about this for a play, coach? You pack everyone in tight. You come out in a super obvious quarterback sneak formation because it's fourth and one. Uh-huh. You have one receiver and then you sneak just it. run straight down the field. <laughs> Howell takes like two steps towards the line, maybe even makes contact with his center's butt, and then steps back and just hurls like an 80-yard pass play. How about that? <laughs> if he jumps it, if he jumps with it. <laughs> jump pass. Uh, jump pass it. <laughs> the jump pass deep ball. I love I, it. I don't know, know that Tebow was behind center for uh, – exactly. uh, is that the annotation of Puerto Rico? The the key thing is to sell to sell the fake. The quarterback has got to bump 
into his center. That's yeah. the key part. Now the problem the problem <laughs> would be really the problem would be is fumble it, it, pick it up and throw it. <laughs> well, the problem would be if he crosses the line of scrimmage with the ball, because that would actually be a goal. <laughs> the way the Tar Heel offensive line was getting pushed back on that fourth. I don't think you had to worry about that. I stand corrected. Um, (laughs) Let's move on then to the Fiesta Bowl, where Iowa State capped off their 9-3 season uh, by pretty much dismantling Oregon, uh, 34-17. Brees Hall, another ho-hum, 136 yards, two touchdowns. Didn't need much from Brock Purdy in this one because they were – they were outstanding. Then they turned Oregon over four times in in this game, Josh. Yeah, I mean, the, these defensive stats are just absurd. Uh, they they hold the Ducks 0 for 6 on third down. I believe this is the first time since 2001 Oregon was held without a third down conversion. Uh, they had the four forced turnovers, a fifth turnover on downs. Um, the time of possession, Iowa State, 42 minutes, 48 seconds, Oregon, 17-12. So um, Iowa State's defense came to play. I think they had a little bit of a chip on their shoulder after feeling like they gave up some late stuff to Oklahoma. Um, the uh, the Cyclone offense felt like they let that Big 12 title game slip away a little bit as well. Brock Purdy was extremely sharp in this game. Um, I know his yards weren't insanely high, but he was extremely efficient. He was also a really good runner. Um, it was just a, a complete team victory. And on the other side of the field, Oregon just, it's weird. I, I don't get it. They, they play this weird two quarterback system. As soon as one guy gets hot, they take him out. As soon as the next guy gets hot, they take him out. Uh, they run the ball 18 times as a team. Uh, defense really didn't look very uh, very strong as Cyclones just blew them off the the line of scrimmage every time. Uh, they called a running play, it felt like. Um, just not a very impressive game by Oregon. And, I mean, there's, there's no shame in losing. Iowa State was the better team coming into this. Uh, better team from the better conference and just all-round – a better program um but oregon oregon looked like i don't know maybe a conference usa team don't uh, don't don't slander conference usa like that oregon uh, looked like an unorganized I, I, I think we're allowed i think we're allowed to slander conference usa right now because they went zero and six in bowl games i know which is the same as the as, acc yeah but well, yeah well, oregon I mean, played worse than that uh, but yeah, look, I mean, yeah, you know, nice. Mario Cristobal has the high of highs after upsetting USC. And then it's like, well, what'd you do for the last two weeks after that game? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> Planned nothing. Se- seemed like they were just spending two weeks celebrating. Hey, we won the Pac-12. Yay. <laughs> um, I, where'd the coaching go in this game? It, you know, it just seemed like they couldn't figure out what they wanted to do. They couldn't figure out how they wanted to attack. It just seemed like Iowa State had a plan. Oregon didn't. Oregon was just there for the free PlayStations and uh, Tostitos. And Iowa State was like, yeah, we're going to win this game. Did they get PlayStation and 5s? Did all the players get PlayStation 5s as part of their, probably, like, bun- if Probably. It, gosh darn it. You know what? I, you, uh, then kudos yeah, to I Oregon. I got my PlayStation 5. 
five. You know, I ain't you know what? That's what they said. You know what might solve some of this issue of players opting out and and these bowl games becoming even more meaningless? Better than they bowl, were. B- better packages for the players so they don't have to steal things from Belk. <clears throat> no, the bowl packages are awarded after the game to the winners. Ooh, <laughs> probably some bribery somewhere in there. Yeah, just a little bit. <laughs> um, okay. Well, I, I was I was gonna opt out, but. Damn, I need that PS5, and then I tore my knee up, and now I don't have a pro career. <laughs> Damn you, Sony! Oh, well, it's, it's a, but like, I always feel like half the time it's like also like one of the things is like a fossil watch. It's like, oh, I was gonna opt out, but I really want that fossil watch. <laughs> oh, so the, I, I, I used to love read because they would publish. Oh, the, yeah, uh, the, they still the do. Gift suites. Uh, I, I used to love reading those. I haven't read I haven't read them in a while, but um, oh my god, those were so funny. Uh, Do you think all the players from the canceled bowl games got their packages? Oh, I certainly hope so. I certainly hope so. <laughs> I certainly hope they got their uh, lifetime supply of uh, what's that? What's that? The new Independence Bowl? Uh, it's like some bar <laughs> in in Shreveport that sponsors it now. Uh, like uh, no, it's, it's the Radiance like Technologies Independence Bowl. Their gift oh. suite included a fossil watch. Oh, hmm. here's Actually, what here's what it was. This was bad. A fossil watch, a new era beanie, and a souvenir football. Hmm. Oh, now, souvenir football! Wow. Well, well, I, I got coach, a follow up. Did, you, did UAB get anything from the Gasparilla Bowl, even though it was canceled? Uh, I don't know. With with another team to be determined. <laughs> coach, Peach, doing the Peach Bowl got this year. Peaches. Uh, peaches. They got a uh, th- presence of the United States albums, a three hundred ninety dollar Mastercard gift card. Oh yeah, it's because yeah. Jordan Davis was going to uh, he was going to opt out, and then he realized that they were they're actually indeed giving bowl gifts, mm-hmm. and so he could take that three hundred ninety dollar gift card and buy his mom an air fryer for her birthday. Plus a fossil watch again and a commemorative yes. football, a commemorative football. There we go at um. <laughs> At the Lockheed Martin Armed Forces Bowl, you got an Anker phone charger, a football, and what is just described as an apparel item. Why are some of these the bowls face. giving footballs out? They do realize that these are football players, and they probably have a large collection of footballs already. At uh, at the Liberty Bowl, you got a Bass Pro Shops gift card. I mean, it's in it is in Memphis with the world's greatest Bass Pro Shop. Um, a Philips soundbar Bluetooth speaker, Nike shoes, sports sandals, sunglasses, and backpack, and a commemorative football. That's not too bad, actually. That's so far the best. Um, at the um, oh, they did not. What they get at the Fiesta Bowl? Did they get a PS Five? Let's find out. At the Fiesta Bowl, they got a PlayStation Five and a nice. Lululemon backpack. <laughs> Brandon. Why not give them a carrying case for their PS5? That's a good question. <laughs> um, at the Gator Bowl, you got noise can- JBL noise-canceling headphones and Bluetooth speaker inside of a customized box. Some, not bad. Some Maui Jim sunglasses, but they came with a fitting, so they're custom sunglasses, a backpack, and, of course, a fossil watch because you have to get a fossil watch. Do Alabama and Ohio State get two bowl packages? No, because I don't believe you get gifts for the title game because it's not actually a bowl. Mm. Yeah. 
So um, also, let's, um, let's, that's a that's a rip off. I'd opt out of the So now, speaking, no, Ohio State got a gift uh, for their bowl game uh, because Michigan is throwing uh, even more money at Jim Harbaugh. Five years State. worth of money at Jim Harbaugh. Yeah. Um, quickly, then let's talk about uh, two semifinal games that were well. The first actually just just super quick. Um, just one second. I just wanted to say it. The uh, the Indiana Ole Miss game, very, very interesting. Indiana has that heroic comeback only to lose it late after tying the game up. Um, you know, hats off to Indiana for scrapping hard um, against a good opponent. Their defense held their own, holding Ole Miss to 26 points. But just again, we see without Penix how much different that offense looks. And then uh, a surprising game for me, I was really impressed with nc state coming into this game and kentucky jumped out to a 13 nothing halftime lead um nc state had a a good second half to make a showing of it but i did not expect five and six kentucky to pull that bowl game off yeah neither did i neither did i at all well, let's talk about those. Uh, let's talk about the two CFP semifinals, uh, the Rose Bowl game, which obviously is played in uh, Arlington, Texas. When you think Second Rose Bowl, t- you think Arlington, Texas. Yeah. Jerry Second World, baby. <laughs> Second time it hasn't been played in Pasadena. Yep. Uh, Do you know the other one, Coach? Wallace Wade Stadium, Duke yeah. University. There we go. But it wasn't I, Wallace I Wade knew, Stadium yet, though. Yeah. I, knew that still the coach. I knew that wouldn't stomp you. Yeah, it was Lou Holtz Stadium. Yeah. <laughs> yes. God, I mean, the walls were always wet. I don't understand. I mean, I'm listen. I'm just shocked. It took us 45 minutes to get to our first uh, Lou Holtz impression. We were supposed to be efficient tonight because you have a big day tomorrow. I do have a big day tomorrow. So uh, let's then efficiently talk. He's interviewing at the hub. Uh, <laughs> let's efficiently then talk about this game. Not much to talk about except for uh, one of the weakest backdoor covers of all time. Um, <laughs> Alabama wins 31-14 to over Notre Dame. Uh, honestly, guys, this was probably the worst bowl game I've watched all season. I watched. It's all- probably the only time I've ever seen an Alabama team get legitimately bored. They were they bored. Got bored. They were. They were. They were seriously bored. They were, They'd score a touchdown. They just walk back to the sideline, like eh, whatever. I mean, it's it's just like they they did not care in the second half. No, they knew. No. I mean, they were such the better team. I I'm mad that Notre Dame covered because I thought that I thought Alabama plus uh, minus nineteen and a half was a surefire lock. Ian Book gets a gets a freaking quarterback sneak with 56 seconds left on the clock for the cover that's just got to play to the end got to play to the end of the one I guess you do but in f- uh, this game was so boring in fact I'm not even going to talk about it I'm just going to pose a question did you guys see that really interesting ball state San Jose state game ball state jumped out 27 yes. nothing that one was that was was a fun bowl game as big as a lopsided I, game as it could be I and wish also, I could have seen it I ball see state's it. uniforms were freaking amazing in this game. They wore, uh, they kind of looked like San Diego State uniforms a little bit, but their helmets were incredible. They had like this 1970s style, like full cartoon bird on them. They looked amazing. Yeah, they were. I'm, they, I'm looking this up. That, that's how unexciting the Notre Dame game was. Is that I would rather talk about a 21 point Ball State victory 
in the offer pad Arizona Bowl. Well, also uh, speaking of uh, other the in the Mortgage City Cure Bowl <laughs> or the Mortgage Cure the FBC Mortgage Cure Bowl, uh, Liberty. I'm so mad. Coastal lost to Liberty. I'm so Liberty, Liberty, Liberty. liberty. Yeah, li- Liberty, uh, Liberty can get bleeped. Um, <laughs> I think we talked about that game. <laughs> yeah, we did. I'm just, show or two I'm just still mad about it. Is basically what it boils down to. Oh. Um, let's bowl. though talk about the Sugar Bowl. Uh, I was I was mad that uh, the uh, the incredible Armed Forces Bowl was tarnished by a meaningless fight at the end. Oh yeah, because I, it, 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 there, there's so much inherent tension between Mississippi State and Tulsa. I'm I'm clutching my my pearl necklace. I can I can in, hear it through the microphone. In, I mean, this is why you don't invite three and seven teams to bowl games. <laughs> <laughs> you had oh. your chance and you blew it. <laughs> so yeah, Ball State they need to, those need to be their primary uniforms. Those are those are real clean looking. Yeah, you're right, Josh. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, let's talk sugar bowl. I, I'm I'm gonna put them on the same neighborhood as SMU uniforms. Oh, that's wow! Good that is, I mean, that is, I mean, that is the park place. I, I mean, they might be the other side of the cul-de-sac, but but you can you can walk there. It's in walking distance. Who else, who else lives in that neighborhood, Josh? Besides, obviously, SMU has the biggest yeah. house in the biggest yard in that cul-de-sac. We all agree. Yeah. We all we all agree that as the SMU, those those. Just the perf- they are perfect uniforms. Who else is living on that block? Well, it's still under development, so there's plenty of housing available. Those Iowa we- State all black uniforms are living definitely in that neighborhood. Oh, no, I disagree. Uh, <sighs> those are awesome. I I think they need a touch more color. I agree. I'm with Matt. I agree. I agree. I, I think some I think some red. No, I think and some more I think some accents. more yeah, some more of the gold accents would be good. Um I'll, okay. I'll have to think I, about I that. I'll have to think about that neighborhood, but uh, but I'll get back to you on that. I uh, my first instinct was to say we absolutely adore Georgia's uniforms. We do, we do. I, Th- those might be on the si- yeah. Those are definitely uh, those black those black jerseys are definitely on the street. The Georgia black the Georgia black jerseys are. Are, are, are on the street and they're they're building additions to that house. You know, you know what you, Georgia uniforms are not on that street. The 2011 Power Ranger uniforms when they played Boise State, those are definitely not on the street. Um, I like Cincinnati's uniforms. Yeah, those were good. Bearcats are nice. Bearcats are nice. I, I like all their combinations. I think they're I think they're all good. Um, the uh, whatever the polar opposite is when uh, Notre Dame had the pinstripe uniforms. Oh, God, those <laughs> might be the worst. They might be. Um, and uh, another team that's never going to hit uh, the, that uniform, though, Ohio State. But what they did hit was... The Crimson and Silver, not classic enough for you? It's, uh, I don't know. I, I don't. Th- it's not the uniform, it's the people who's wearing it. There you go. <laughs> um, with that, Ohio State beat Clemson in the Sugar Bowl. Uh, down there in oh. Nolens, oh. and even <laughs> this one, even this one wasn't like should have been like, oh my gosh, an upset. But, but like, I wasn't just I, I couldn't get 
I couldn't get invested in this game, man. Justin Fields, yeah, he had a great game. Six touchdowns, 385 yards. Good for him. He took a big shot and came back. But moral, like, listening to some of the things that he said after the game, it was like, yeah, I was, uh, wasn't feeling good. I went over to the sideline. They, they just gave me a couple of shots. It's like, what, like... There's a dereliction of duty on behalf of the team doctors of Ohio State. <laughs> you said duty. <laughs> duty. Matt, did they did they puncture his lung? Uh, well, we don't know because they didn't even give him like any sort of assessment whatsoever. They the they, they literally is... just shot him up with drugs and said, they... "Go back out there after you got hit by a human bulldozer." Um, no, that's that's the bar to clear. As long as you don't puncture the quarterback's lungs, you're better than the Chargers doctors. So, <laughs> I mean, that's not a high bar. <laughs> that's it's it's really not. I mean, like he got hit like Skalski. Okay, so actually, I was having a uh, I, I was having a text exchange with my father. Was the Skalski hit on on Fields targeting coach? I have a hard time believing it was, but he did dip his head down a little bit. So I think by the letter of the law, it is. But I mean, see, I'm going to go. I think it's the opposite. I think by the letter of the law, it is not. I think by the letter of the law, it was not. Did he lead with the crown of his his head? Did he lead with the crown of his helmet? I don't know. I, I think I don't think he did it first. And I think Justin Fields like spun his way into it. Well, and, I think that's part of it. I think that's part of it. And I, I think that, I mean, I still think they messed up the call. I, I, I don't think it should have been targeting. I don't um, think it should have been either. I really don't. And it, well, I, now, I think it's one of it's those a, judgment Now, calls. here's the thing. It was a dangerous play, but I don't think by the letter of the law it was targeting. No. I mean, I think it was a really clean, hard hit. I don't even and, know if it was clean. It was a hard hit. I think it was a dangerous play, but I don't think by the letter of the law it was targeting, Josh. Yeah, I guess for me, I'm thinking more just like big picture. This is two games now, last year's title game, and then this year's and it's targeted Sugar because Bowl. his head dipped down and because he got thrown out last year in the national no. title game. Yeah, he has it's, a reputation. Yeah, the one so in the title I think game that, is definitely. Targeted. I think that's part of it, and also just, I mean, big picture. Not even worrying about that and and getting kicked off the field. Like Clemson's defense is now no showed twice at the end of the year what is up with that that there's something something strange i don't know and it was really obvious clemson's biggest deficiency in this game other than their defense not playing a lick um they were totally one-dimensional their offensive line sucked and i don't know if i've ever used that word on this podcast because Usually I try and be more eloquent, but my God, this this offensive line for Clemson got totally embarrassed. Um, they had they gave up five tackles for loss, two sacks, a quarterback uh, hurry, and then their running game, their vaunted Etienne, Travis Etienne, final collegiate game, 10 carries, 32 yards. They mm. produced 44 yards on 22 carries. Mm. It's awful. Yeah. Awful. Totally one-sided. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it was terrible. I mean, they got they got dominated 
all around. I mean, they got totally, totally outcoached. And, you know, this was a big trash talker comes in and gets smacked in the face, doesn't know what to do. And then next thing you know, they're on the canvas and the referee is hit 10. And that's what happened to Clemson. I've never seen, I've never seen a Brent Venables defense look that unprepared, look that scattered, look that stressed out, look that unorganized. I mean, they were they were multiple snaps. They were scurrying around trying to get lined up, trying to figure out what Ohio State was going to do. And Ohio State used tempo, and, and Clemson they practice against tempo. I mean, there's no reason that a Clemson defense should ever sh- struggle that mightily with tempo. Tempo does that to every defense but Clemson should not struggle that badly against tempo because that's their own philosophy they can practice against themselves and be just fine and 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 they they did okay last year against the same exact offense and Ohio State didn't do anything new in fact they probably simplified a little bit and just they just hit deep shots and Trey Sermon, they figured out they couldn't tackle him, so they kept running him. So, I don't know. Just well, a terrible well, all-around preparation by Clemson. I was disappointed. Well, well, this might be a stretch for an analogy, but, you know, Clemson spends the whole lead-up to the bowl game saying that Ohio State's 11th, that they didn't play enough games, that they shouldn't be in it. And so they're giving Ohio State bulletin board, bulletin board, bulletin board material. Meanwhile, mm-hmm. Clemson is kind of like – Worried more about Alabama, and that's going to be the real game. And this is where my stretch of an analogy comes in. It reminds me of leading up to the election, Donald Trump saying, it's rigged, it's rigged, don't vote by mail, don't vote by mail. And then, like, Pikachu-shocked meme, I lost the election in mail-in ballots? <laughs> like, <laughs> that's what Clemson did. They didn't treat it like... This is going to be a contest, and yeah, but we don't see Clemson fans going in the uh, in storming the offices of the CFP. <laughs> well, do the, do the CFP, CFP have offices? If they had there? an office, Clemson fans might be there with pitchforks. Hey, they can they can storm the president of the CFP's offices and take him out. That's fine. Well, if anyone should have done that, it should have been Texas A and M fans. <laughs> well, no, that was that was. Um, a reference because I was well. Oh no! Trust me, I'm. Trust me, I'm well the... aware of who the director of the CFP is. <laughs> hey, George has got a new athletic director, by the way. Who? There we go. Is it Gary Barta? Yeah, <laughs> it's. Uh, have I'm trying to think of the worst imaginable. Uh, uh, the guy we we, we plucked. <laughs> Brian us. Ferris. <laughs> yeah, Brian Ferris. No, we plucked Liberty's uh, AD. Actually, it was, it was a great coup. Mm. No, um, he would be in support no, of Josh a coup. Brooks. No, right. He would definitely be. Um, no, Josh Brooks. Uh, he was McGarity's deputy AD and uh, was really good. I actually went away. He was. Uh, he had the same title at ULM several years ago. Um, he ran Millsaps College Athletic Department for a couple of years, and then he's had a big role with uh, UGA since he's came back. He's been the interim for the last month. Not even month. I mean, he was interim for like a week. I, I know the answer is Josh. Do you know where Millsaps College is? Millsaps College? Uh, I think it's wherever Paul Millsaps living. <laughs> the answer is Mississippi. But um, good for you. I don't think I don't think Paul Millsaps in Jackson, Mississippi. Yep. Yep. Um, so this title game, Alabama, Ohio State. We're gonna watch it. You know, it's, yeah. the, I mean, I think it's the two last undefeated teams. 
Uh, what day is the game? Uh, it's the 11th of January. Ohio State earned my view. Um, Alabama is opens as an eight. What time? Alabama opens. I'm still not rooting for Ohio State. 7 p.m. Central. Um, oh, they're in luck. Why? Iowa basketball is on the 10th, so I can Well, there you it. have it. Um, <laughs> speaking of basketball, Wisconsin just needed double overtime to beat Indiana. I know. I was watching that game. Yeah, I know. Uh, oh, oh Indiana, so, Indiana's got like a five-star recruit stud that... <laughs> so uh, Wisconsin, so Wisconsin, freshman, Wisconsin, the so freshman phenom is a diaper baby. Yeah, but Wisconsin has five seniors. Wisconsin starts five seniors, so... Uh, yeah, and... Mm. Wisconsin had an incredible run at the end of the season last year. Their entire body of work over the last few years. It's not that yeah, impressive of a senior yeah, class. Gardo. Anyhow, um, <laughs> we are not the illegal screen college basketball podcast. Uh, what we are is the illegal motion. The three-second violation. Ooh, the three-second violation. Uh, one of my favorite uh, One of my favorite calls. Almost as good as illegal defense, which is not even a call anymore. If you look on paper, yeah, you, you know you, you wipe away the record. You, you wipe away the fact that Alabama's played five more games than Ohio State. You know total yards, yards allowed. Um, you know points per game, points allowed per game. These two teams actually are pretty close on paper, but Coach Alabama just is seems to be just a little bit better across the board at every single position where yeah they, they coach are. where uh, where then do you think where, what is ohio state's best shot at you know turning the tables or taking advantage of an alabama team that let's be honest like this we've seen a lot of great alabama teams under nick saban this is one of the most complete teams we've seen under nick saban mm-hmm. yeah i mean the the thing that gives alabama fits i say it every week tempo um there hasn't been a team that's been able to successfully run tempo in quite some time. Uh, the teams that have come close, Josh, that we've talked about, Georgia, Ole Miss, uh, to name a couple, uh, have, and especially Ole Miss. Ole Miss ran almost 60 points on them just doing tempo. And, and I think if Ohio State carries the same game plan they carried into uh, Clemson, they won't, obviously, they won't dominate the game because Alabama's way better coached. But, uh, or and they will they will be way better prepared, but still tempo is tempo, and what they do, and how fast they can go, and how how differently they can manipulate the tempo of the game. I, I think Ohio State has something there because I think if you can get this Alabama defense kind of discombobulated, that that usually can last you for a few series, and so I, I think that if they can get them on their heels and get some confidence. Maybe their defense goes out, makes a couple of stops. This becomes a ball game, and then once you kind of get out of the first quarter, second quarter, if you if you're still tight with Alabama, then you're in really good position to beat them. Ole Miss had them in position to beat them. They just didn't have the horses to do it. Ohio State, if they can get them in a similar position, has the horses to do it. Has the horses to knock them off. So that's their chance. They've got to follow that Ole Miss template. Keep them on the ropes. Keep them on their heels, just with blitzkrieg type offense, blitzkrieg type defense, and just get after them. You know, big plays. There's going to be big plays in this game, and you got to understand. If I'm Ohio State defense, I'm there's going to be big plays. I'm going to make a few. They're going to make a few. That's okay. 
I, I can I can do those trade offs. It's like a it's like one of those like featherweight undercard fights where the the two boxers are just wailing on each other and eventually one of them just falls over. That's what I anticipate. If Ohio State wants to win this game, they have to turn that game into one of those featherweight undercard bouts where they're just wailing on each other. I got a couple questions for you guys. Were the Nebraska black shirts very good this year at pass defense? <clears throat> nope. Okay. Do you think the Kansas Jayhawks had a very good pass defense this year? Uh, they had one. They had the number one pass defense this. Wait, are we talking what Kansas? Are we talking Kansas about, uh, Jayhawks? Uh, oh, we're Oregon, talking about football. Sorry. Oregon State pass defense. You guys think it was very good this year? No. Illinois Fighting Line? No. Not against Wisconsin, at least. All those teams were better than Alabama. In passing yards per game. And Alabama's passing defense per game is even better than Ohio State's. So if either of these defenses plays any sort of pass defense, that's going to be the key. The secondary and the pass rush is what I'm looking for. And just to kind of highlight this, here are some passing games that were absurd. SEC title game, Florida, 400 passing yards. Couldn't run the ball, but they had 400 passing yards. Your dogs, coach, yep. they put up 414 yards of offense. With a fourth-string quarterback. Yeah, and it was really balanced. 269 passing yards, 145 rushing yards. Pretty decent average for both, all things considered. Big difference in that one, obviously, the three interceptions thrown. Yeah. That hurts. Ole Miss, you mentioned it. They came... Really close to winning that game. They just didn't quite have enough horses. 647 yards of offense for Ole Miss, 379 through the air. That obviously opened up some running lanes. And they ran to the tune of 268 yards of rushing. And then A&M, a little bit of a surprising one because 52-24 to 24 doesn't sound all that close. But again, A&M had some disastrous turnovers. They had 335 passing yards on this Alabama defense. So this is, you know, this is not one of those Nick Saban teams from a few years ago where you're like, okay, let's pencil in 10 points. And uh, all right, we're going to need to hold Alabama to six points because we're not going to score a whole lot. The team's flipped this year. You can put points on this Alabama team. The question is, will Ohio State be able to put up enough points? That's what remains to be seen. I think if they're going to do that, they're not only going to need they're they're not only going to need another superhuman effort from Justin Fields, but their offensive line is going to need to be at full strength. We're going to need to see their guards, Petit Frere and Wyatt Davis, open up holes for Trey Sermon in the running game. I think that is really the only way to, I don't want to say slow down Alabama, but if they're able to limit time of possession, I hate going back to some of these cliches, but they, they have to hold on to the ball and limit time of possession, limit the amount of possessions that Alabama gets because Alabama has the best wide receiver in the country. One of the 
two or three best running backs in the country uh-huh. and one of the two or three best quarterbacks in the country yep. and a pretty yeah. good offensive line. Well, I mean, if there's and and Jalen Waddle can... might even be able to play in this game. Oh. I, I mean, I guess if there's one thing that you can say, I mean, Ohio State, um, their rush defense is more stout than Alabama's. Alabama's rush defense is still pretty good, 107 yards per game. But um, like I said, if you could start passing on them, A&M had 115 rushing yards. Ole Miss had 268 on them. Uh, Coach's dogs had 145 rushing yards on them. Really, Florida just is kind of the odd man out that they had 400 passing yards but only 54 rushing you know, if if they hit some passes early, those running lanes are going to open up naturally. And with such a physical runner that Ohio State has, you know, you can do some of that old school Big Ten three yards in a cloud of dust thing. You know, you don't need to have an absurd like eight yard per carry average to maintain drives and to keep out Bama off the field. I mean, they just need they can get three and a half yards per carry and just commit to it. Unlike say Cincinnati, like we talked about earlier, I think Ohio state has a great chance to move the ball on this team. This is not a vintage Alabama defense. Um, It's certainly talent wise. I mean, it's filled with five-star recruits. It's, it's an absurdly good talent defense. It's just not playing as cohesive as previous Saban defenses that we've seen definitely all right coach final score prediction for the game uh alabama 237 <laughs> uh notre dame negative three no um i think it's gonna be alabama 38 ohio state 34 oh so you, you, got, you got a close one so you got ohio state covering the eight yep. point spread josh how about you <clears throat> yep uh, I think it's actually going to be even a little bit higher scoring than that. You have two not very impressive. I think they're going to feel each other out yeah. in the first half. Yeah. Or like, and, and then I think second half you'll, they'll yeah. open it up more. Yeah. I, I think the quarterbacks come out sharp. I think that the fact that neither pass defense is all that amazing, considering they made the title games, I think we're going to see a lot of passing yards, a lot of passing offense. Uh, I think both teams, like Coach said, get into the 30s. I think both teams might even get into the 40s. Uh, I'm going to be a Big Ten homer, though, and say Ohio State, just like the Cardell Jones year, falls ass backwards into a random national title that we didn't expect to happen. I'm going to say 42-35 Buckeyes. Ooh. Uh, I've got Alabama winning 41-38. So we're all... We all have we're, all in the, we're all in the same ballpark. We're all in the same neighborhood. You know, Ohio State, because they just played less games, they've had, they have less attrition. Yep. True. So, um, be honest, over under 15 minutes of real time that you watch this game. Over. I will, I will watch more than 15 minutes of this game. Mostly because my wife, I'll, I'll watch the whole most, mostly because my wife goes to bed pretty early and, and after she goes to bed, I usually just if I'm not podcasting, I'm sitting on the I'm sitting watching television and dicking around. So it's on late enough that I'll be able to watch at least the entirety of the second half and probably most of the first half. 
I'll probably be on for 15 minutes, in all honesty. Uh, uh, I'd, uh, Matt, I don't want to have to give you extra editing to do, but uh, like most of these playoff games, I don't give a shit. <laughs> I straight up do not care at all. And if that makes me a bad college football pad- podcaster, so be it. I think that makes me more of an honest one. I was going to say, I, think, I just think I, it makes you an honest one. So uh. I, couldn't, I could not care less about these two teams. I can say I'm a Big Ten homer and joking and jesting, but I don't give a shit if Big Ten teams do well in bowls or not well. Well, I, actually, I, I wanted to talk about that care. really quickly before we, before we leave. <laughs> um, Conference USA, 0-6. Meh. ACC, 0-6. And that includes Notre Dame uh, in the bowls. Pac-12, 0-2. I mean, they only played two bowl games, so you can't really count it. But uh, American, 1-5, also not so great. But uh, <laughs> the Big 12 went 5-0 and in bowl games this year. Uh, SEC and Big 10, uh, both 750 winning percentage, 6-2 and and 3-1 and in their games. Um, but I think... Well, ACC got some terrible matchups. I mean... Miami, Oklahoma State, okay. That that one was a pretty close match. Wisconsin and Wake but, Forest but are both f- 500 teams. Yeah, but Wake Forest and Wisconsin, just in terms of like their pedigrees and where they were projected to but be. But Jason Chapel's dad I mean, was a two-time All-American. <laughs> I mean, that one that one was a bad matchup for Wake Forest. Notre Dame didn't stand a chance in hell. Uh Clemson was a paper tiger, pun intended. Uh, North Carolina had to take on the team with the biggest chip on their shoulder after the Irish got embarrassed. And then NC State just had a random loss to Kentucky. I mean, this is comparing bowls and, and ranking conferences using bowl games is absolutely ridiculous. Oh, well, it's asinine, I mean, but it's... I mean, based on based on that, the MAC, best best conference, 2-0, no, baby. Big 12, 5-0. But but the but the but the Mac had two upsets. Big Twelve didn't have as many upsets. I mean, let's be honest. Big Twelve, you know, Oklahoma State mini upset. Texas was big favorites. Oklahoma was big favorites. Army was favorite or West Virginia was favorites, and Iowa State was favorites. So was Iowa State a favorite? I thought Oregon was a favorite in that game. Uh, I believe. I thought Oregon was. I, I thought if not, it was very close. Let's uh, let's see what we got according to the old to the old Google machine. Espen. Uh, let's see. We got uh, drum roll, please. Oh, I've Why got it. Oh, I know. I, I've got it right here. Hold on. Cut. There we go. Samsonite. Iowa State four and a half. Four and a half. Yeah, point four and a half. It's pretty right, close. Samsonite. I was way off. <laughs> So, all right. Well, uh, with that, I think it's about time we wrap up um, because, honestly, I need to go to bed. So, um, on behalf of our own offensive coordinator, the coach, Corey Burton, here in the Music City and our intrepid blogger from Big Ten Accounting, Josh Cook, up there in the Windy City, this is the professor in Nashville, Tennessee, saying so long and see you next time on the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.